Thanks for listening to audio from Rock Haven Church. For more information on our ministry, please visit us at our website at www.rockhavenchurch.org. So I talked to a couple of people this week, and some of y'all are doing what you're supposed to do. You're reading ahead in Joshua, right? And that's fantastic. But for those of you who are saying, no, 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 no. I've got my own abiding time. I'm doing that. I am just going through Joshua as we go through in the week. Great. That's great. Uh, but, you know, right then, since you're doing that, you're equally as frustrated as I am uh, based on what Joel did last week. Last week, I was listening to Joel's message, and he actually went ahead and blurted out chapter 6, even though he was in chapter 2. He gave away the punchline, the walls of Jericho come down. And I was like, what? He doesn't even build that up. He just stopped it like it was some kind of fact. And so here it is. The walls come down, right? But if that's all we know about the book of Joshua, about the story, we miss so very many things. Remember what we said? That the book of Joshua isn't Joshua's story. It's God's story. The main point is God's faithfulness in fulfilling His promises. And I don't know if I went through this list or not, but I feel compelled to share it this morning as we will see repeated over and over these applications in part into our lives. And I don't mean in part. I mean, these, these applications are, are, are um, persistent. They, they continually come up as we read this redemptive story of God. And so one of those applications is that the Lord's abiding presence is the key to strength and courage. Remember what, what God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I know many of you, as we've been talking about in the last week, you said, yes, that's what I want. I need the circumstances of my life, the things we're going through with other people. Strength and courage, strength and courage. It is to abide in the constant presence of God that will supply that strength and courage. And you know, following God's instruction is always key to succeeding. It is the Lord who saves. It is the Lord who shares His divine wisdom, who is a divine warrior. If we do not inquire of the Lord, we risk disaster. The Lord protects His covenants. He desires unity of His people. God's sovereignty enables our rest. God is faithful in all things. And to that point, and since there is so very much that we could look at, I'd ask, would you open up your Bibles to Joshua? And I know we looked at chapter 2 last week, but we need to look back to chapter 1 this week. Look with me at Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. What happened? Oh, sorry. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, this is important because actually what we're seeing in chapter 1 is going to, take, uh, is going to bring us to chapter 3. Uh, these, these accounts are related, uh, and so, but there's, there's a phrase here that I want to talk about because I think it all fits uh, in the application of our lives. Look with me at Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Now, Joshua is addressing three tribes of Israel, 12 in total, but these three know that their promised inheritance is east of the Jordan River, okay? East of the Jordan River. But what Joshua is saying to them is, is that even though your inheritance is on the east side, we're all going to do this together. 
And so look with me at uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land. Um, a land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they said, yes, we will obey you in everything, just like we obeyed Moses. So uh, then we went through and we have the account of, of, of chapter 2, and then we pick it up in chapter 3 as that story that we looked at uh, uh, we're moving toward, or further on, if you will, the account of Joshua and God fulfilling his promises. That he has set aside a place of rest. A place of rest. We've referred to this land as the promised land. We've referred to uh, it as their inheritance but Joshua's address to the nation of Israel, to these three tribes, and to all, is, is that God has set aside a place of rest. That reminds me exactly of rest that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 4. You turn there with me. Leave your finger in Joshua. Leave your finger in Joshua. But turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it's recorded for us. Uh, chapter, we'll just we'll kind of do an overview, if you will. But look with me in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. For we who have believed enter that rest. And the rest that we're talking about and the rest that is pictured for us is uh, I have it in my mind as, as, you see, you know, as, we'll, as we'll see as we'll go through that God has also made us a fantastic and glorious promise. And that is that if we put our faith and trust in Him in the finished work of Jesus, that God has prepared for us a place of rest. Life everlasting, to be with him where he is. And this is the rest that the author of Hebrews is talking about. That by faith in Jesus, we are granted an eternal rest. Does that sound good? So then as we look to this record of history about the nation of Israel and their promise of a place of rest, Right? We know they're not there yet. The walls haven't come down. They haven't crossed the Jordan. There's some things that are happening. There's, there's part of the nation of Israel that's standing, standing on, on their inheritance. Okay? But we're not done. We're not all together. There isn't this unity of these things. And so there's, there's some lessons, I feel like, that while we're waiting 
for our ultimate rest and our inheritance. Some of the things that we see and are taught here are the very same things that we can implement into our lives. Why am I sitting down? Because my back hurts, and I really could use a rest. Right? You stop and think about everything that God has given us. In our salvation, freedom from guilt, fear, shame, regret, in Him, promises, as He says in His Word, just lavishing on us gift after gift after gift. Many people thinking that, oh yeah, someday, someday, someday. No, the day is now. And that's where the author of Hebrews continues on. He says, um, he says um, uh, verse 6, Since therefore it remains for some to enter the rest, and those formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again, uh, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did his. Now, I read this as a part of reference to what we were going to talk about today, but I have to finish it because then I get lost in this and just, it, it's just too good. And, and in part, some of it is, is that many of you have heard this verse before, but did you realize or see the context that it's in? God is talking about rest and a promise, ceasing from works, the free gift of salvation that is ours, that we can experience now and in the life to come. But what and how all of these things revolve around is our active participation in the things. Not because we're going to earn that rest, but since he's given us this rest, participating in it. And so let us therefore, verse 11, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We want to enter into that rest, and we don't want to be disobedient. The key to that is to abide in God's Word. Living and active, able to shape and mold and, 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 and transform our lives. Being obedient. As we, as we read earlier, lest any one of us, I mean, right, the effect, excuse me, as we were looking at those applications, uh, is the applications of God's Word that, that, that keeps us from stumbling, keeps us from hardening, keeps us from Travail. Go back to Joshua chapter 3 with me, and we'll look at these principles together. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. Early in the morning. Underline that if you were into that kind of thing. I have it underlined. Not because I like to get up early in the morning. I'm a bit of a night owl. I prefer things in the quiet of the night. But I digress. This says that Joshua rose early in the morning. What's the significance of that? Is this just factual? Is he a better Christian than anybody else that didn't rise early in the morning? No. Early in the morning. 
if we want to see uh, our lives, if we want to, if we want to participate in, in what God has called us to do as we're looking forward to the rest that He gives, then we need to wake each day with eager anticipation. Eager anticipation. You know, uh, I've talked to so many people that uh, really have a hard time getting up for school. But if there was a planned ice fishing trip or a hunt, they are so readily available early in the morning. It's the same principle, right? That God has given us this rest as this incredible blessing, right? To participate in today. Do you realize that God gives us the gift of sleep? It's a gift. If you did not sleep, what would happen to you? You would die. Right? It would die. Sleep is a gift. It's a form of rest. And to be intentional about that, many people, we just live our lives at such a ragged and rampant pace that when the day comes to its end, right, you just fall into bed and pass out. You just, boom, sleep. Right? But if you could stop and think that the very last thing you did before you closed your eyes was to thank the Lord for the gift of rest a foreshadow of the things yet to come. And that while you're laying down, it isn't, it isn't just you know, ceasing from, uh, from activity. It's not just you know, falling asleep by exertion and, and, and exhaustion. You are, you, are, you are purposely closing your eyes as a faith step of trust that everything you own and everything you are in this rest is going to be watched over by Him. And then when you wake in the morning with eager anticipation of what He might do, thanking Him for that gift and for that care and His great faithfulness, Joshua rose early in the morning. I'm not saying that you need to get up an hour earlier than you did, right? I'm just saying that when you lay your head down, do it as a form of... uh, do that as a step of faith, as a step of trust that God has given you this gift of rest and see what He does. And wake up in the morning with eager anticipation to see, to meet, to greet, to pray, to visit, to read God's Word, to be engaged in His kingdom, to, to, to look for where He's working and join Him in that endeavor. Joshua rose early in the morning. And then they set out. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits. That's 3,000 feet. 3,000 feet. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you should go, for, uh, for you have not passed this way before. Life application number two. We live our lives in, in anticipation, right? Expectation. And then we don't do anything, right? We're always looking for where the Lord is leading. In this particular case, if we go back, and many of you were there when we went through uh, the uh, Exodus, and we studied the Ark of the Covenant, and we looked at that, but it symbolizes God's presence and everything about Him, the law, the commandments, all the stuff, you know, 
I think we're not studying the ark, but the ark is there as God's presence. And so as it is being led, why does it have to be, you know, 3,000 feet ahead? That is so that everybody can see it, right? This is a large group of people. Uh, we might get into the holy in touch and all that, but, but following the direction that God has given is important here. And God's presence going before them is, is key uh, to uh, their... Um, uh, witnessing what God is about to do. As um, it's recorded, you've never been here before. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of other things that this generation has not seen uh, as others may have. Okay? Uh, verse 5, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourself. If we're to live our lives with eager anticipation, and we are to follow the Lord and His direction as we find in His Word, then we are to consecrate ourselves. Your version may say sanctify. Uh, this could be ceremonially washing, this and that and the other, but what's the application for us in our lives as we look at that? <sighs> When, when Joshua addressed the three tribes, right, that they were going to go with, even though they had, this, they had their land, they had their inheritance, their children, their wives, their children, and all of a sudden they're, they're going to stay, but the men of valor are going to cross over and help. I think this is the place and point in time that I want to say uh, why God has saved each and every one of us. Somehow, some way in our minds, we, we make all of this an individual journey. This is, this is all about you and God and individually what you, you do. Uh, and there's an element of that that's true. But there's so many other things that we're all included in. Like in a marriage. You know, one thing that it doesn't happen to the one spouse and not affect the other spouse, so things are in the church. And so what God is saying is He says, hey, look, You've got your inheritance, you've got this rest, you've got this thing, but I need you to know it's not just about you. It's about the whole group. And so that's our application as well. This isn't just about you and, and your journey and you picking and choosing the parts you like and don't like. God, God is doing a work in all of us. And what happens in all of us affects each and every one of us. And so when he says, he says, hey, be eager and anticipate what God will do. All y'all. When you're all together, right? Follow the Lord and His presence that all might see. And all of you, consecrate yourselves. We might, we might simply say, you know, continue in godly living. The great exchange. What is in me that needs to go, that God might replace with something of Him. Unconfessed sin, confessed, because I know that God is faithful, that He forgives patterns, behaviors in my life that keep me from experiencing more of those things in Him. Things and habits, and I don't know, we can just go down on and on and on and on, but time in His Word... Not just picking and choosing what I want. And then understanding that what God is doing in me isn't just for me, isn't just for you, but is for the benefit of others. See, if it's just individual, I can say, I don't know, you know, consecrate myself, focus on God. I, I'm fine today. 
But God has asked us to think about things bigger. He's asked us to think about how our actions affect others as well. And so, be eager, follow the Lord, and continue, continue uh, to, to grow in godly living. So verse 6, so Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass it on before the people. So they did. Verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they might know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark, when you come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will uh, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Pezerites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. That's a lot of sites. And it is an incredible, huge task. But so that you might know that God is going to do this. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, each tribe a man. And when the soles of, their, of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Two times it is repeated, the Lord of all the earth, the Lord of all the earth. The Lord and of all the earth. The Creator God owns all things. It is His to gift. And so He is gifting it to the nation of Israel. And this group of people, remember where we're at, right? This group of people didn't see what God had done previously. This is the, this is the, the new generation. For 40 years, the nation of Israel, because of their trespass, because of their rebellion, right, wandered. And God said, this generation shall not see my promise, but their children shall. And so for them personally to know the power of the Lord, who He is and what He's doing, to be mindful of those things. So the people set out, verse 14, people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the ark. And as soon as the uh, those bearing the ark had come uh, as far as the Jordan. The feet of the priest bearing were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside uh, something I can't pronounce. And those flowing down towards the Sea of Arabia and the Salt Sea were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite of Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I read the whole thing because it's a record of history. And I think we said earlier that there are some amazing things that God does. This is one of them. I've talked to a few people and they said, no, wait a minute. Didn't God divide the sea? And didn't they want? Yes, 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 that, that, that happened too. 
But we go back to Exodus for that. And that's why I said there's a whole generation that doesn't, didn't see and doesn't know. I mean, they hear the stories, but to see and to witness God, to, this is new. This is different. This is him, right, his presence entering into the waters and it heaping up, holding it back. How far and how much and how deep? And all that. Don't get distracted. It's a big deal. It's a miraculous deal. And then we get into all kinds of other things I can think about, like, right? How many times does it just feel, life just feel overwhelming? Like a flood of water just heaping up on you. What keeps that at bay? The presence of the Lord, right? How many times does it feel like things are just slipping? It's just like you got no good, firm foundation. But an expectation of the Lord? Time in his word, following him, remembering his promises, trusting in him, all of those things, looking for where he's working, right? The nation of Israel, solid, dry ground. Passing over, passing over into the land that they've been promised, right? They don't know where it is. I mean, they've sent some spies over there, but, but now all of them are coming together. And that's really kind of, uh, for me, uh, well, I think this this application of this picture is is that our lives, and we're going to do it today. We're going to we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate communion. We're going to um, we're going to do this to be obedient to what Jesus told us to do. He said, "Do it and remember. Remember what? Remember that He's gone before us. That He's made a way." that it cost him dearly. And then as miraculously as water being heaped up, <laughs> right? The Creator God, the land and the earth that's his and he can do whatever he wants, give to whomever he wants, holding that water back, that same God, right? Being raised to life from the dead. That we might be mindful that he's included us in something far greater than whatever we can ask or imagine. This is a problem. People read stories like this and they're like, Pap! that couldn't happen. Yet we cling and long to be at home in our place of rest. Like, like somehow we can, we can, we can, we can manipulate or, or fathom our soul's existence and the power that would, that, that, that would require the resurrection of all of us. Yeah, make no mistake. You and I are believing God for some really big things too. Aren't we? Yeah. And so when we remember what he's done for us, we do it together. Mary, why don't you bring your, your team how you've worked, for, uh, worked in our lives. This incredible gift that we have to remember you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would take this time in our obedience and that you would strengthen us and equip us for those things that you've designed and that you've purposed all as a part of your plan. I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for your love of them and their love of the things of you. And Lord, as we go out from here today, may we be mindful of all of the things that you've done for us in your son Jesus, in his name, amen. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, 
equip you with every good thing that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a good afternoon. We'll talk to you soon.